I'm Grim. This is Rachel. Say hello, Rachel. Hello, Rachel. It's an old joke, but it still stands. So People like the familiar. <laughs> comfortable, comfortable jokes. That's, comfortable. that's not what we're about at all, but, you know, nope. it'll, it'll do. So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, this is technically our second episode, I suppose. But we're working together on a project, aren't we? A, a card game. Yes, we're working on a game called Election Party. It was a random idea that I came up with when I was running in the Transhumanist Party election, and I realized that it was all a bunch of um, bollocks, as you guys say, over there. So I'm like, you know what? We should just make an election game. And so I tweeted at James, my co-host here, let's have candidate cards, let's have position cards, and let's have scandal cards, and all the players will be candidates and the players that aren't candidates will be voters and whoever wins the election card game is the winner of democracy. And we just came up with this card game and James had already been involved in the card game world and he seemed like the perfect person to do this with. Yeah. Um it's it's like a it's more like a party game than a than a complex thing like Magic the Gathering or or whatever. So it's about entertaining each each other and Making fun of this horrible political hellscape that we all find ourselves in, because <laughs> you got to laugh or you'll cry. Really, yeah. Rachel just had this had this kind of bare bones idea, and it just kind of gelled immediately in my head. And in my experience, if I have a good solid idea straight away, it's usually a good one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 more like a party game, isn't it? It's more like um, I've been telling people it's like Cards Against Humanity for smart people. Yes. We, what's the byline we've put for it? A, a game for charismatic sociopaths. Yeah, which I think works really well, too, because politicians are charismatic sociopaths, and so are most people. So, you know, you're <laughs> a little smarter than your typical Cards Against Humanity player. You play election party, and you go wild, you give speeches, you argue for positions you don't really believe in, you have insane scandals, and you have to argue your way out of the scandal, and then all your drunk friends vote on the best politician, that's the winner of the game. And we even have, as part of the caption, in one of the images, win at democracy. <laughs> Which kind of goes against the very idea of democracy. But that's... Democracy's that's... fair, losers. I'm a monarchist, too. <laughs> I'm a monarchist... Democracy is for cooks. Well, I mean, good good old Queen Liz, she sets a good example, but then you look at Charles and you, you start to see the flaws in that. Uh, God, don't save the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's clinging on to that throne. <laughs> it's my last upgrade. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that, it's it was kind of um, difficult, some of the cards... Because I'm very much to the left. And so I was kind of having to work against my natural bias <laughs> to, to favour left-wing policies. So I just settled on the idea of being really cynical about everything from every possible <laughs> position and to make fun of everything to try and avoid I, that natural partisanship. I think you did a great job. And, you know, there's a very emergent anti-PC, anti-woke left that's actually making the left seem kind of fun. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go be a leftist. You guys are kind of okay right now. I'm going to go join the left. How do I get in with the left, you know? Um, <laughs> so so props to you. It's really funny. And I don't know if it's partisan. Like you said, it's more just like a, a making fun of everybody kind of thing. And 
These scandal cards are hilarious. I don't want to give too much away, um, but I'm just going to talk about a few. There's the leaked nudes scandal card, you know, where you get nudes leaked and you have to explain what happened. Um, <laughs> there's a bad social media post scandal card. So you have to like explain a bad social media post from 2010. That's one of the scandals that we have. And we have like communists is a scandal. You are literally a communist. And um, we have fascists. You are literally a fascist. And you got to like argue your way out of these scandals to win this game. And yeah, you, you did a really great job with the design work and I'm super just happy that I had this idea and I, I was just tweeting about it to you. I was just like, we should come up with an election game. And it's been like not even a month and, and here it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, still some tweaks and edits to do, but it's apart from the box art, it's pretty much ready to go and be printed at this at this point. Sometimes it, that things just come together. Um, we should probably really? mention probably mentioned the artwork um what we've gone for is a kind of retro 50s look there's a whole bunch of orphaned works and and sort of public domain 50s comics that are full of these just fantastic images and it, it gives the whole thing a real sort of sort of vibe i mean i had to tweak them and um recolor some of them and do, do bits and pieces but it really gives it this kind of unified presentation that's kind of uh, s surreal and doesn't really exist in any particular point in time. It's a bit like, I, I think, going going back through it, as I was doing the editing, it reminds me of some of these slightly surreal TV shows we've had lately, like like Legion. You're never quite sure where in time it's, it's set. I love these cards. I'm so impressed with the artwork and how you put these together. I'm looking at the policy card for the privatizing all healthcare right now. I'm looking at the image of the plague doctor. It's so iconic. Man, you've got tanks and needles. You've got nuclear power plants. There's the invest massively in nuclear power policy card. And um, yeah, and they, these are just the, the policy cards. Um, The candidate cards are like something out of almost like a comic book slash sci-fi, obviously um, adult-oriented with um, almost like a, a cynical kind of twist. They're, um, they're just fantastic. I'm really, when, when are we getting our, our first batch? I guess when, when I send you those last documents, but are, are we going to do like one you know test run? Or, I'm just um, really excited to play this game. Well, we were kind of pushing to try and get some ready for, for Christmas if people wanted to pre-order um yep. the printer takes about 15 days to print and about five days to deliver though i did order some proofs of some other other stuff from them so but still we're looking at about 20 days turnaround um i mean it it, sh it shouldn't take too long and fingers crossed we should be able to get you know some ready just before christmas so Nice. I think we will have the pre-orders up pretty soon. I just got to finish the final touches on the website. And I'm excited I have my own card. There's a Haywire card, you know, because I ran in an election. And well, I'm still running as an independent candidate. So if you're a, a fan of me, you can get my, my novelty card. Um, <laughs> God, <laughs> this is why people accuse me of being full of myself, damn it. But um. Yeah, it's really fun. There's the celebrity card. There's the dull moderate, the sexy idealist. And we even have the social justice warrior card. So you can play as the social justice warrior candidate if that is what your heart desires. I had a lot of fun fixing that, the image and stuff. For that <laughs> Brilliant. She has blue hair. Uh-oh. I don't want to have to like 
get in trouble with the UN or anything, man. I'm just trying <laughs> to make a card game and just trying to make a card game, bro. <laughs> don't tase me bro just a card game <laughs> man uh, you know i remember having blue hair back in the day like i had blue hair and i was a, a punk i had no idea what like social justice warrior was because it wasn't like a thing i was just like a punk chick with blue hair yeah that, that was it yeah. i was a, with blue hair yeah. <laughs> colored hair piercings tattoos that used to mean you know that's a cool chick who's who's down for a good time. Now yeah. it's like stripes on a wasp or a poison arrow frog's coloring or something. It's warm. Oh god! <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Is that still a thing? Because I didn't know. I thought like maybe the like social justice girls they became like uh, moderate status and they got rid of their dyed hair and now they just have a I don't know like those shirts with hashtags that say <laughs> you know it's like a- climate change or I don't know are the hair is the hair still blue. Uh, to an extent, most of it seems to be that kind of sea green color that looks like a dye job that's gone wrong, unfortunately. I, I like that though, because it's like the mermaid hair, you know, and then you get into the, the sea punk. You got the blue green <laughs> hair and you just want to like take a dip in the ocean with the girl and go, hey, we're yeah. going swimming, you know? That, you, that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> sea green hair, have your legs cut off and replaced with a robot tail or something, and, and away you go. Well, that sounds like a, a cool movie now. Yeah, maybe that's what will happen to San Francisco after the, <laughs> after the big one. Listen to this. They're going to be like, a, we're going to make that into a movie, and, and it's going to suck. You know, we're going to wish we, ne- we never had this discussion. We know the movie's going to be bad. Yes, yeah, the card game's pretty timely, isn't it? I mean, you guys, um, you, you never seem to leave the election cycle, really. It's just like you, you stop for five minutes after someone's elected, so <sighs> yeah, right on to the next one. It, it yeah, never stops. and and we've yeah. got an election here, so it's. I think it's going to be fun for both countries, well, all countries. You know, the world. We're, we're a very global <laughs> card game on because people are obsessed with these elections in America, especially and in the UK too. Things get really heated up over there. I mean, I keep hearing about like Boris Johnson, and I mean, it's just nonstop and. Everything does revolve around the elections, and we're hoping that when people play this game, that it's a way for them to blow off steam. Um, like even actual real life politicians, we hope that when they're not doing political stuff and they're just like chilling out with their family, they're just going to play this game to blow off steam. Like it's for everybody, you know? Yeah, and that's I, I, I think there's a space that's kind of missing because both Boris Johnson and Trump are almost beyond parody, and. Right. A lot of the time, the people going up against them are as insufferable as they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the issue is like you want to hate the guy, but then you see the people complaining and then it's like, oh, these people are even worse. I kind of want them all to take each other out, you know, and, and then you just laugh and then you cry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd rather laugh than cry. Oh, why not both, as they say? <laughs> I like the the new radical card. I remember like the first version of the radical card was like a little different. It was like some um, more I don't know, like they were older. They were older, but now you've got like a like a black block looking like you know street radical. <laughs> he wants to overthrow everything. Everything is wrong. Replace it with something. Yeah, it just I kind of. Turned up the volume slightly on on every card, I think, to uh, make it a little these bit are, more extreme. So good, yeah, these are going to be fun, and I think uh, a lot of people are just really, really annoyed with the elections. They're going to have fun, and people that are just political strategists are going to enjoy it. And then just like basic drunk kids in their college dorm are going to want to play it too because they're in college and they're drunk. So 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that it lasts until 2020. And, you know, if we can get people playing this game, like the newer elections that come out, you know, like in 2020 in November. And um, when, when's the election cycle over there? Tell me more about like the UK election process. I really don't know much about oh. it. Oh, God, I could go on for ages, uh, but it would be very boring. Um, so I actually studied politics, so I am. And I'm at a disadvantage in the in the current political situation because I actually know how it's <laughs> supposed to work. <laughs> and, and nothing's working like it's supposed to. Um, so it used to be the case in this country that uh, the incumbent government could basically call an election whenever they wanted, right? And this would favour whichever government was in power because they could choose the time to do it, you know, just after they released a budget that did things that helped people or alleged to, or just as they, you know, finished winning a, a jingoistic border war or something, you know. Um, there's, a, there's a strong train of thought that the Falklands War was a vote-grabbing scandal <laughs> over here, for mm. example. Um, but then that changed, and it was set to a fixed term of five, five years. Um, but that can still be overcome by votes. And so we've had three elections, no. 2015, 2017, now 2019, because they've kept voting to have early elections, but it, it just requires the consent of the whole parliament now. And we've just been deadlocked on Brexit. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard, I haven't stopped hearing about Brexit. It's really, it comes and it goes, but it's always there. Yeah, and it's just completely dominated our politics and prevented anything else from being done or even talked about since yeah, since the it vote. Seemed like a very encompassing issue that kind of comes in like like Godzilla, you know? Yeah, just it's, kinda, it's polarizing for us in the way that, that Trump is over there. Um, but because yeah. there's been no movement, Parliament is pretty much dead set against the idea especially since we've had our own hacking scandals and um, mm. there was a whole lot of illegality around the original referendum which invalidates it in a lot of people's eyes and uh, you you voted remain right i did you're you're a good lefty socialist <laughs> well the european union is like it, it, it exists in a quantum super state because the people on the left tend to view it as this evil, globalist, corporatist, capitalist, um, neoliberal project, right? And, and the right. people on the right see it as some sort of evil Marxist internationalist project. Um, this is where I come out with the why not both remark. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the thing for me is it, it has been very good for us but it's also I mean, it has been good for successive governments here in the uk as well because it's given them something to blame for, mm. for things that they've done wrong scapegoat yeah exactly but anyway um so this election is really about that though most of the parties apart from the liberal democrats aren't really talking about it as much as perhaps they should um they're trying to concentrate on other issues i think because they know it's a mm -hmm. you know you immediate, okay. you immediately alienate a whole bunch of the electorate if you take one position or, or the other on it mm. i mean i i probably would have voted leave just because i believe in sovereignty and independence for national autonomy you know i'm big on that independence but it seems like the, the whole thing is just a circus and it seems like boris johnson has kind of like come in to try to be like the new thing to talk about and i it really does seem cartoonish over there um just like over here i, I always have this 
impression that UK politics were were a little more uh, civilized than the US, but I think you guys are kind of psychotic too. Like I've got to say. Yeah, the, this whole thing has, de- has deranged <laughs> us. We've had just, our Yeah, we've had our boost of of, of populist nationalism as well. <laughs> but uh, Welcome to uh America. Um <laughs> I I've got to say that this Boris guy, he's funny. I haven't really read up on him as much as people have read up on Trump, but he he seems like there should be like some kind of action figure about him. And there there probably are already, but he seems just very <laughs> tr- Trumpian in his yeah. own. He's like Trump number two or something. In, like... in, a, in a way, but he's um, Trump's persona is one of sort of an arrogant lack, total lack of self awareness. Yeah, Boris plays the bumbling buffoon, uh, <laughs> and it and it lets him get away with things because he because he is kind of funny. Yeah. Oh man, I'm thinking of the that first episode of Black Mirror. Mm. You know, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> what was it called? Like band in the uk was that the name of it something like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that episode was really disturbing i've got to say yeah and it was like they opened up black mirror with that episode yeah i mean he was a newspaper columnist he did used to appear on comedy uh panel shows and things but he is really the the pound shop trump uh what would be the equivalent the yeah. walmart trump right huh yeah, I guess you, you guys aren't uh, so respectable anymore, haha. Yeah, yeah. You, you thought you were above us, but looks like you got your, your populist circus too. Yeah. So, so take, take that, Brits. It's, it's a constant one-upmanship game of hold my beer between the UK and the US, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. But, you know, like it is good that there is a populist awakening. Um, And it, it's strange that the populist awakenings have been on the right, where you, you would have thought it would have been on the left more. Um, but we, we've got like our, our Bernie bros out here and um one thing that has unified the left is a a common hatred for this billionaire bloomberg guy the guy responsible for gentrifying new york city he or some something like that and he's doing like i think he's like the inventor of starbucks i probably should have researched this more (laughs) oh god i i'm ignorant stop the press um but Everybody hates Bloomberg, like hates this guy, like everyone on the left, like a Bernie Bros, Yang supporters, Camilla Harris's people, you know, like Tulsiites, they, they all hate Bloomberg. And he just decides he's going to like buy this election out, right? He's going to buy this election and he's running as a Democrat and it it's really unified the left against Bloomberg. Yeah, I was just, uh, just going to say that. So everyone hates him. So he's a unity candidate. <laughs> I when I found out he was running, I actually I couldn't understand it on a logical level. Um, he's one of the richest people in the world. Like this guy makes a Silicon Valley billionaire seem like a worker. Like he he really is one of the richest people in the world in the world like ever. Like he's one of the richest people ever. And you you really have to wonder why somebody with that much money would want to go through that level of humiliation. Like, why would they do that to themselves? It, it doesn't make sense. Um, I tweeted about this. I'm like, why would you subject yourself to this? Just buy some land and start an occult commune for you and your weirdo friends. Like, if you've got <laughs> that much money, like, why are you running for president? It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no, I was just, I was actually, just brief side note, I was just reading something about that. And a lot of these billionaires are buying up land in areas that are kind of relatively free of natural disasters and so on. And yeah. they're setting up these weird communities there. 
Yeah, because they, they want to escape the, the proletariats as they get angry. Yeah. They're looking for an, an escape from the Jokers. It's the uh, alliances of the Bruce Waynes. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're getting ready for the, the Joker sweep. Yeah, well, we don't have enough robots yet, so proletarians are still going to have to make their coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've we got some pretty good robot coffee machines now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, when, when I click on a Bloomberg article, I don't know if it's like the Bloomberg website or like an article about Bloomberg and you see like an article about Bloomberg on the Bloomberg website. It's too meta for me. I feel like the, the whole thing is crashing down. Yeah. You know, you're do, on do you Bloomberg.com a- and you're reading about Bloomberg. It's like, no more Bloomberg. I don't even know anything <laughs> about this guy. Like, <laughs> I'm so already is, sick of him. <laughs> so is he going for the official Democrat candidacy or is he going as an independent but calling himself <laughs> no, a Democrat? He, he's going as a Democrat, I think what he wants to do is save the world from Trump with his money. I, I think that's his his PR motive. I, I, right. I don't. Well, I mean, Trump, according to Trump, is is extremely wealthy too. So why did he do it? Well, he's got a lot more money than Trump. There was a funny image on TV that I saw. It was like Trump's net worth, and it was like only a little bit. And then Bloomberg guy, mad billions, you know. He was like, he made Trump look like a beggar. Seriously, this guy's got more money than anybody I've ever seen. You know, like, like, how do you get this much money? My my theory on Trump is that he wanted respect and he also really hated Obama and wanted to dismantle everything that he did. And he, he felt personally slighted by Obama telling him that he would never be president. My theory on Trump, he was just like a good marketer. Like he witnessed this uprising in right wing populism and he's like, hey, let me cash in on that. I'm going to run for a political position. He was a, a good marketer researcher. You know, and I, I was uh, around early for like some angry internet stuff, and I, I could see this momentum building of this this new movement. Um, and you know, I think that Trump he he did too, and he turned it into a political campaign. Um, he was a, a good marketer, really. Yeah, he's gonna win again. Oh, of course, of course he is, because the Democrats are so disorganized. I mean, their only good candidates are Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. And they've both been stiffed by the media. Um, Andrew Yang is getting better treatment now, but um, I don't think the establishment likes him very much. They're they're really focused on getting Biden in right now, and who who has no chance that they didn't learn from Hillary. I mean, it, it's really uh, people are annoyed for good reason, and it's just going to give Trump another victory. That, yeah. That's really what it seems like. I quite like Yang because he's got radical ideas, but they're radical ideas that kind of slip past the the propagandizing that I, I feel that Americans have had against left wing ideas. So he gets support in a way that Bernie doesn't, just because he doesn't trigger that sort of thought terminating cliche that people have about socialism. I like Yang a lot. He brought UBI as a topic of discussion and. He did it in a way that was very intelligent and very logical. It wasn't super idealistic. It wasn't like some dreamy, you know, he had a rational plan for UBI. Um, I, I don't think that was in his month. I mean, like, I'm running for 2K a month. But, I mean, just for him to bring that into the forefront of politics. Um, and he's, like, super cool, you know. Like, I went, I met him in one of his rallies. And I see his tweets. He tweets about, like, going to the movies. He, he made a tweet. It was like, I'm really high right now. <laughs> and it was like one of his tweets. I'm like, you know what? Yang gang. <laughs> so yeah. you, are you still running then? Yeah, I'm running as an independent now. Because mm. that was that was some bullshit in the uh, transhumanist party. 
Yeah, but we came up with the idea for the game through it. And I mean, I've been doing a lot of interviews. I've been going on podcasts. I mean, I was plugged by some some big accounts, you know, like after the Epstein didn't kill himself meme broke out. I had a bunch of people following me. I'm the Google whistleblower. He was all over for exposing Google's biases. He was all talking about the transhumanist funding and the Epstein. And he was talking about what happened to me and you know, like the word is out. So I went through some real nasty shit, you know, just for exposing somebody who took Epstein money during an election. But now people just won't stop asking me questions about it. You know, yeah. the, the press is, is wild now. They're like, tell me what happened with you and the transhumanist party. It's almost like overwhelming. You know, like, I, I just want to work on the card game. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird, though, isn't it? I mean, I had the impression that the transhumanist movement in the States was a lot bigger than it is because a lot of these Silicon Valley types have, have thrown money at it at one point or another. And it turns out it's just like a couple of thousand people on an email list. And even despite all of that, there was all this bullshit around your campaign and your candidacy. And like you say, it got tangled up in all the, the Epstein stuff because... Yeah, his his finances were involved. It's, it seemed incredibly vicious for what was actually a not that huge of a deal, really. Yeah, I mean, it's not that huge of a deal to outsiders, but to people on the inside, you know, this is literal life and death. You know, like, do you want to live forever or do you want to be one of those non-immortals, right? Um, these these are creeps. These are, are pedos. These are are cultists, these are sickos, sociopaths, sycophants, all of it. And, you know, um, it was a really big deal to them. I mean, like, I just ran because I wanted to make transhumanism popular. I'm like, you know, we need to get it out of the hands of these oligarchs and bring it to the people, you know, transhumanist revolution. You know, that, that was yeah. my thing. Populist yeah. transhumanism. I mean, I, I know they were going to flip out like this. I mean, you know, like Sultan Istvan, he's always been cool, but... You know, you got some people in the, the Epstein circle and they're, they're coming in and they're influencing things and they're telling people, you know, that they shouldn't vote for me because, you know, this allegation and that. And, you know, no, nobody's going against them because of how much power they have. They're invincible. This is like Alex Jones's wet dream. And I'm just like, OK, I'm just a candidate. You know, that was one of the reasons I came up with the idea for the game was like just Becoming so detached from it, having experienced it, I really did develop um, like a hardcore objective view of the whole situation. And I realized like how much of a farce it was. Like I'd always known politics was a farce, but I really saw the nitty gritty of it after doing this. And um, like if there's one good thing that came out of all this obscene abuse that I endured at the hands of these pedos, it was coming up with this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said cult, and it is like a cult. I mean, you look at what makes religions really bad, and it's generally this this idea of an afterlife, which is a version of immortality, and that justifies suicide bombings, forced conversions, you know, all of that kind of horrible stuff. And here we have a, a tech cult that seems to be obsessed with the idea of immortality or a digital afterlife, and to them that seems to justify just about anything. I th yeah, I, I think it's a distraction. I think there's a lot of other issues transhumanism should be about, like democratizing technology and you know, the pushing pushing advances through technology, not just obsessing over the idea of living forever. But yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people feel that way, and I mean, I was really vocal about it. They even had a rule in the election where we had to discuss immortality as a part of our campaign. Um, and for the third debate. 
we couldn't really be, you know, ourselves because every question they asked us was like, what plans do you have to make us live forever? You know, and then there was another question that was pretty much the same thing. What are you seeking to do to make humans immortal? I'm like, that was the same thing as the last question. And, but that was just like all that we were even like allowed to talk about. And I wanted to talk about biohacking and neuroengineering, cybernetic implants. I wanted to talk about psychedelic therapy and a transcendental state and how this could connect to mind uploading. And they were just immortality, 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 <laughs> immortality, immortality. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a cult. Yeah. Like, this is a cult. This is not even like a transhumanist. Like, transhumanists, they want to go beyond humanity to a higher stage of evolution. You know, like, transhumanism, that's fine. They, these are, like, freaky immortality cultists. Yeah. And now well, people they think all transhumanists are like that. It's like, no, no, no. Those people are psychotic immortality cultists, and they got that Epstein money. And I'm just, you know, like, I, I told people who they were. It's like, you know, you can do something about it or not. I, I don't want to go down. Yeah. People know who they are. Because uh, some of them really hate you. But uh, all of that, <laughs> all of that right. stuff that you were mentioning yeah. there, that like the, the stuff that you wanted to talk about, your, your kind of yeah. platform, that's yeah. pretty much what Trigger Warning's been about, hasn't it? And Yeah. So what's actually happening with the site? It's on hiatus at the moment, isn't it? Not for too long. I mean, we just posted an interview that we did with Matreya One. He's a transhumanist hip hop artist, and he talked about growing up as a transhumanist and what that was like in the hip hop community. And that was just like uh, last month. Um, and we we had a movie review of Cock. You know, it was like the, this funny movie called Cock. Um, it was supposed to be like an expose of like what it's. Like, if you're, like, an alt-right YouTube school shooter, but it just turned out to be, like, a Rocky Horror comedy. Um, so, <laughs> if you're that there, um, then we, we interviewed somebody who was working on hibernetics, um, which is actually scientific and that you're slowing down the aging process and living organisms, you know, rather than like come join our mortality cult. She actually like gets into what it's like to work to fight against aging, like through the metabolic processes. And um, that was cool. Um, we posted an article called Accelerate Accelerationism by a famous cyberpunk author. And I wish I could pronounce his name. I'm Kenji Siratori. Kenji Siratori. Um, he wrote the book Blood Electric. It was like a William S. Burroughs in hyperspace cult classic that came out, um, I think, like late 1999, 2001, so somewhere around there. Um, and I, it was like, like Burroughs, but like on the internet. I mean, it was dark and twisted and hilarious. Um, and I found this guy on Twitter and he was um, like super into the same weird philosophy you know, like Twitter subcultures is me. And so I'm, I'm like, you want to write for trigger warning? And he sent me like this algorithmic piece that he wrote, like just based on an algorithm that he created to create like this new kind of like Dottis cut up writing. Um, and I'm just going to like read an excerpt because it was just so fun. It's um that, that he just came up with this, like building an algorithm. He says, um, there is no principle of starting service. The experimental block is responsible for what is known as the C. Tiller double key. The human codec gets worse. Violation of killing is no notary mailing. <laughs> I, some people didn't get that, I think. They thought it was actually trying to be a coherent story or something. <laughs> well, you know, it's more coherent than, than half the things you read on Twitter now. So. Yeah. 
or <laughs> more coherent than most literary fiction. <laughs> I oh, find. Literary fiction really is at a dead end. I mean, I, I can't tell how much of it is serious, honestly. It's um, it seems like after Twilight came out, something changed for the worst is, is that what happened uh, yeah, this is something i could go on about for ages as well um <laughs> a twilight effect uh, well i think you've got this kind of similar to what's happened in cinema right there's a lot of stuff that's just totally creatively bankrupt in a kind of rush to the bottom to make the most amount of money with the least amount of creative effort as possible. Um, and it doesn't always pay off for the, fir- for the firms. But then at the, at the other end, the kind of speaking of democratization of technology, you know, people are shooting films on their iPhones and whatever. And some of that stuff is, is really interesting, but it's hard to find because of the way search algorithms and social media algorithms and so on are, are working. It's hard to find the, the fresh, new, interesting stuff, but it is well, out there. You know, when well, that's comes- where, where we come in. Yeah. Hopefully. It's just a matter of like, we don't have mainstream support because people don't really know about us because they're too busy. Like, they're in that like turning point, like America First drama on the right. And on the left, they're just like talking about climate stuff um, where we're just kind of like doing our own thing. And, you know, like we don't have sponsors or, you know, money. You know, yeah. we're, we're like, we're selling a card game now and where we got like some shirts and some sweatshirts coming out um but we we don't got like big advertisers or anything so i mean it, it's out there it's just um you know people don't really you know we're, we're underground as yeah. the word goes we're trying, we're trying to find ways to make it more self-supporting and so on um maybe some publications or something as well that's gonna be cool yeah uh you do have this uncanny knack of finding weird online subcultures you you'd mentioned them to me before we came on acid nationalism what the heck is that oh okay well there's acid communism which was created by this kind of like communist author named mark fisher he's the guy who's famous for writing capitalist realism and you know exiting the vampire castle essay he was basically the guy that inspired like the whole chapo trap house you know like anti-woke left movement um and so we came up with this thing called acid communism and i'm thinking okay that's cool you know i like acid um (laughs) right um (laughs) period um but like shouldn't there be like some kind of acid nationalism right like shouldn't there like just like compare and contrast you know shouldn't there be like a like a weird right you know like i came up with the the art right and i read this this article about the deep right and there's the the esoteric right so you know, you'd think the, the the occult would like have things that were um like of a more right nature um you know and that where's the this acid nationalism it's just like an untapped area of potential you know yeah i i have this rule about music that yeah, if you can't enjoy it unless you're on drugs, it, it's not actually that good. <laughs> I would say <laughs> politics is probably the same way. It's like, dude, <laughs> you high, read Marx. It, it just doesn't. Well, man, you gotta read some Marx when you yeah. hit this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah, I think some music actually is better when you're on drugs, though. I mean, like, because it's objectively made for people to be on drugs. Oh, oh, yeah, but there's a difference between it being enhanced by the altered state of mind and with it being 
only enjoyable through an altered state of mind, you know? I, yeah, I used to say that. I used to say if it only sounds good on drugs, it's not good music. But then I realized, like, some people, they actually just make music for people to listen to while they're on drugs. And, yeah. you know, that that's its own art form. It's The problem is when you're making music for people to listen to not on drugs, and then it only sounds good on drugs. Yeah, I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't really had any positive drug experiences except mushrooms. Because I, really? I have weird brain chemistry. Even, even you know, pharmaceuticals, I always get the weirdest side effects, the least, the least common ones. And huh. uh, yeah, I haven't. You just haven't, haven't done the right drugs yet. Um, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I did my experiments, and they right. failed. <laughs> try, try some drugs, man. No, but I'm, I'm really happy to see the push for decriminalization of LSD and. MDMA, um, magic mushrooms were just legalized in Oakland. California did something right. Um, even Trump has talked about ketamine for veterans. You know, it's, it's just Veterans Day out here. And, you know, like even Trump, you know, he's all like ketamine. So yeah. I think it's, it's a good sign. Yeah. Mushrooms used to be semi-legal here in that you could you could grow them, right? Um, but if you dried them and prepared them and had them in that state for taking, then you could get in trouble with the law. <laughs> so, so they used to openly mm. sell punnets of, of growing, um, psilocybin mushrooms, like on, uh, in, Cam- I remember in that. Camden. They used to. I remember when I was in Camden town, I do remember yeah. seeing those mushrooms. So. And then not long after I had my one positive drug experience, they changed that and now they're completely illegal. <laughs> so. Brilliant timing on my part, probably my fault. So I'm sorry. So, so we kind of touched on the occult there, and then we've touched on sort of psychedelic yeah. drug weirdness. Um, I, I like these discussions. These are good topics. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, you just haven't done the, the right drugs. Okay. <laughs> no, um, you know what? Like drugs were a really big thing for a while, and then they kind of went out of style because everybody was doing them. And I remember, like, I wrote this article for Louise Mensch's old publication, which was like a ripoff of Trigger Warning, and it lasted for like a few months. It was called Heat Street, and I wrote this article that was called "Nobody Cares About Your Sex and Drugs," and it was basically an article talking about like how all these vice journalists talking about drugs had ruined drugs. Hmm. You know, like every article on Vice was about somebody doing some drugs and it was like i didn't want to do any drugs anymore <laughs> yeah it's a kind it's weird isn't it it's, it's that there are fashions like i never heard of ketamine at all growing up and then suddenly it was everywhere so that that was that was strange and coke went out of style and then came back in again when the when the price coke went is down always in if you're backstage enough but um so <laughs> But these, these trends, right, it's weird. When someone's into something, that can draw you into it, but it can also put you off, right? Yeah. It's like, um, so drugs and, uh, the occult, which was something else we were briefly gonna, gonna touch on. Yeah. Those, both of those have become strongly associated with the left. Mm, and then yeah. the right has really moved away from those, even though right. Where, if you look into the past, the right, yeah, you know, was, was but, hip deep in these as well. Yeah, yeah, where is our acid nationalism? The question remains. Um, and I do think that is because there is definitely like this anti neurodiversity thing on the right, which which sucks, you know? Cause that that's like really gross to me, but there's this this hatred of the other on the right. Hmm. I mean it's the the worst quality that the right has is that they don't like divergence. Um, so they, they associate 
the occult with Marxism. They associate it with degeneracy. They think that anything that's abstract in any way is like some, you know, like Marxist plot. Um, and this is this is not not cool. You know, these are, are not very interesting people. And there was a time when there it was more occult like, um, but it wasn't really like that popular you know it was it was kind of underground like there was like um Gurjeev, i guess um like evola um maybe somebody like reneganon would have been in that category um but it, it there was never like really um like a psychedelic right that really got any momentum yeah i mean the trouble cur- is cur- if I'm wrong. <laughs> whenever you mention sort of occultism and the right people immediately think of himmler that's the, the problem that's, yeah. that's, that's the problem it poisons well the, the well has been poisoned because the Nazis were into occultism. So if you think like right wing and you think occultism, you start thinking about Hitler. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of far right people in aspects of the neo-pagan movement. Oh, yeah. Particularly uh, Asatru. Um, right. I, I mean, I, I know some, some people that are in that. Um, and then they, they like get protested and they uh, have their like pagan fights. Um, and then I saw like some kids, they, they had like this, you know, like get hate out of paganism it was like a viking hammer and it was like some antifab poster or something i'm like all right you know like you do you but it's like aren't you guys like all pagans i I don't know man i i'm not a a pagan (laughs) 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 i'm a a chaos magician i'm a skeptomancer Vegan fight. Um, there's all sorts of. There's like some dilemma fight between like the right Thelemites and the left Thelemites. Man, like I don't know. Occultists they they fight too much about politics. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the the right being so obsessed with Christianity and so mm. against paganism. I mean, I guess I'm on the on the left, and I intersect so to speak with a lot of pagans and so on so it's not like i'd want a bunch of fascists getting involved in all that but it it's always mm-hmm. seemed weird to me that they're into their christianity because mm-hmm. if you're talking about traditionalism you know the traditional religions of europe are all these pantheistic mm-hmm. pa- pagan pre-christian cults and then christianity is is a is a horrible middle eastern religion made up by brown people so clearly it shouldn't be our mm. our point of reference it's just i it seems inconsistent <laughs> to me. I find like there's some interesting Catholics that have interesting kind of social dialogues on what you would call like the death of the West, you know, um, and they're very critical of modernity and neoliberal capitalism in a way that people on the left can't be anymore. And they do talk about how it's become materialist and plastic and they, they do long for a, a return to tradition um, because they can explore things and this more occult realm, you know, that, that isn't um, what would be considered um, polluted, you know, by, by liberal modernity, like on a spiritual level. Um, but they're considered wing nuts. Um, these are like insane reactionary Catholics. Nobody really um, takes them seriously. Um, but they, they have some interesting ideas. Um, I can't hang out with them, though. They'll complain about my tattoos, you know, or yeah, my, yeah. my hair. They'll be like, you have short hair and no kids. Um, and then that <laughs> discussion shut down. We could have discussed the occult. I'm going to go hang out with the, the left-wing pagans now, you know. I'm <laughs> it's so, so 1950s to go against <laughs> someone's hair length. Whenever someone goes, uh, has a go at me for having long hair, I just post pictures of Samson at them. <laughs> right, it tends, right. tends to shut them up a bit. 
But it is a shame, though, because, you know, there, there could be an interesting, like, acid nationalist scene, but a lot of the, these people are too busy, like, complaining about people not conforming to traditional gender roles or, you know, they're, they're complaining about, um, like, some stupid thing with Turing Point. Like, I do not care about Turing Point, okay? Like, everybody involved in the, the battle of Turing Point is wrong. Like, if you're even talking about Turing Point, like, you are wrong. Um, and and they're, they're so focused on this stuff. And I'm like, well, you guys should be doing psychedelics, you know, and, like, reading some books with some weird symbols on them, you know. I'm just going to put that out there. Acid nationalism, it's waiting for you. Well, from my point of view, please, right wing, stay away from cool stuff. And uh, left wing people, stop being so awful that it puts people off cool stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, my, my view is just to monetize the eschaton by any means necessary. <laughs> yeah. yeah just take it out. Take it out. We should probably start to start to wrap up. So what have you been up to lately? Anything cool you want to you want to plug, get people to look at? Sounds good. Well, if people don't know, my new album, Alternative Technology, is now available on Spotify. So you can stream it. And it is a bunch of new experiment haywire songs. And then there are a few old ones that have been re-modified. And if you like electro-industrial bands like Cam FDM, Skinny Puppy, Front 242, Nine Inch Nails, for all you normies out there, check out my new album, Experiment Haywire, Alternative Technology. Cool. You're much better at advertising your stuff than I am. I always get bashful. Uh, what, <laughs> what am I doing? Um, mostly I've been working on the card game, uh, and that will continue <laughs> for a while. Um, I'm kind of on a sabbatical from my YouTube channel and some other work youtube just keeps pulling the the rug out from under people um that just, did that happen to you well so i what I, I have been steadily building the channel and getting a reasonable amount of views and so on and then at the beginning of october it just all suddenly slumped and a whole bunch of subs were taken off the account and it's every time i start making some progress they change the rules or change the algorithm and I don't. Uh, I don't do it to make money. I do it for the for my for my own sort of mental health. <laughs> so I'm ready to get nice. ideas. Well, I out mean, there, your your videos are really good. So I hope that they don't give you too many problems. It sounds like it's very annoying to deal with. You're like at the mercy of their yeah, algorithms. It, this is a problem that I think we both found a lot. It's just hard to be seen in this kind of algorithmic. Yeah. Mass. So you got like people that are just like hiring. You know. It's complicated, but I, I think that a lot of people that launch channels or like even Instagram accounts or Twitter accounts, they buy a bunch of followers. So it'll look like they have a lot of interaction because if you have less than a certain amount of subscribers, it's going to be hard to get any new ones. Like in the first place, it's almost yeah. like if you don't get on the Joe Rogan show, like you don't exist right now. And I'm yeah. thinking like maybe that's not like where we should be as a culture. Yeah. The thing I, I used to really love about you know, e-publishing and YouTube and so on. So any, anyone could do it. And the barrier to entry was essentially gone. But now that's that's not the case. I mean, that had its own problems with filtering and finding what you were after. But now people are filtering things for you. But yeah, anyway, so my YouTube channel is Postmortem Video, if people want to check me out there. I sell analog games, role-playing games, things like that, and fiction at post-mort.com. Uh, it's International Men's Day this month. I'm not, I'm not exactly <laughs> a men's rights activist, but I do care about men's issues, particularly mental health. 
So Men's issues or human issues. Yeah. So I've been posting a few interviews I've been doing uh, with other men with mental health issues on the uh, on my talesofgrim.wordpress.com blog. So it'd um, be nice if people check that out. But Nice. I'm happy to hear that. I mean, because men really can't express emotion in this society anymore. And I just want to say, like, power to the men talking about their mental health issues. We're women. We've been doing it for ages, you know, um, and it's about time that men have the ability to do it without facing social astros. Oh, my God. I don't know English. Um, Yes. Power to the men's <laughs> mental health movement. And cool, cool. I'm going to check out some of those videos when you have them up. Cool. Uh, we will be back at some point with more podcasts and we'll let you know. Take care, everyone. Boom. Boom. Narrative Attack is recorded in front of a quantum superstate audience, which is either live or dead, depending on your reaction.